Go ahead, grab a seat. For those who don't know me, good morning. My name's Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And I thought in honor of having all the kids in here with us today, we'd do things a little bit different with the message. And so for the first part of the message, I'm going to do some teaching out of the Bible. Then the second thing we're going to do is have a little bit of a quiz. And so kids, that is your opportunities to see if you can make me feel fuzzy inside about how much of a smarty you are. And so parents, if you want to help your kids with that, you can. Please just don't answer it for them. Uh, but we're going to be using uh, Kahoot, which is an online game system. And so if you want, uh, you can get your kids out a device for later on in the service. If you need Wi-Fi, go to Emmanuel Guest, passwords Emmanuel, all lowercase. And then when the time comes, what will happen, you'll launch that for your family. You're going to type in an appropriate but fun nickname. And then we're going to get to some quizzing. And the top three people are going to have a chance to win a prize. So kids, take notes. Listen really good. Uh, adults, take notes. Listen really good. Uh, if anyone needs a, something to write on, there's paper at the back and pens. Feel free to grab them. But today we're going to be looking at a passage of the Bible, Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7. So it might also be helpful if you open up your Bible or flip to that next app and you can click on your Bible app or look up that on the web. All right, so where we're, we are right now as a church is we're studying the book of Acts. So we're looking at the early church and what God was doing through it. Some people will call this the Acts of the Apostles. I prefer to think of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So the things that the Holy Spirit did in and through the early church. And before we get to where we are here, let me just recap what's happened is that Jesus has died He's risen again. He's came and told everybody that he is alive and that he's going to ascend up into heaven and that one day he will return. But in the meantime, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come and live and breathe in all of the people who have faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's going to encourage them and help them live a life for Jesus in accomplishing everything Jesus wants for his people to do. And after that happens, some incredible things take place in the city of Jerusalem, where we are today in the Bible. And we see that a church that started off as a small group who was following Jesus has now exploded into thousands of people who are living for Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. And people are doing all sorts of things. They're selling their homes and their possessions so that they have money to take care of those in need. There's people going out in the streets and talking about Jesus and providing healing in the name of Jesus for those who need hope and sometimes physical healing and things like that. And so things are pretty great. But while things are pretty great, they're certainly not perfect. And so today we come to a place where we see one of the first grumblings and upsets that takes place in the early church. And so let's read what happened in chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. So we've recapped up to here, and it says, In those days, when the number of disciples, that's followers of Jesus, when they were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution 
of food. So the 12, that's the 12 apostles, Jesus' closest followers, they gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right of us for, for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table. So brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So this proposal pleased the whole group, and so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They also chose Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, who was a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles, the twelve, who then prayed and laid their hands on them. And because of this, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So like I said, there's all this great growth that takes place, but as things are growing, as things are changing, as different people groups are merging together, we see that a problem starts to arise. What's the problem? Some people start to get overlooked. Hint, hint, that might be on the quiz. Things start, people start getting overlooked. Why do people get overlooked? Well, as the church was growing, as people started following Jesus, two different groups of people start to come together. We have what's called the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. So these are people who are Israelites, and they've descended from the people we read about in the Old Testament, but they've grown up in different places and in different ways. We have the Hellenistic Jews who grew up outside of Israel and Palestine. These are people who would speak Greek as their native language. These are people who would think the way the people from Greece would think because that was the predominant culture and leadership at the time. That was the main philosophy and way of thinking. But while they're coming into the church because they've migrated over for the Passover when the Holy Spirit poured out and all this crazy stuff happened, we also have all the people who were already there before they came in. We have these Hebraic Jews. They're the true, in their mind, Hebrew Jews who grew up in Palestine. They speak a different language. They speak Aramaic, and they have a different way of thinking. They think more like the Jews in the Old Testament. And so because these two groups have two different primary languages, because they have grown up in two different places, and because they have two different ways of thinking and going about life, they sometimes don't get each other. Sometimes they have a little bit of fighting and we have a culture clash happening. And so what happens in the midst of all this confusion, all these differences, is that some people get overlooked. And who gets overlooked? Well, it's the widows of the Hellenistic Jews. And they would have been seen as sort of the least important of people because in their day, being a widow meant you couldn't work, you didn't have a husband who could provide, you're a Hellenistic Jew, so you've come from the outside in. And so the people that surround them are starting to speak up. They're saying, hey, there's a problem. We're missing serving these people. We're missing serving our family, these people we care for. Hey, you Hebraic Jews, do your job. Now there's this complaint that starts to go and it starts to rise and it bubbles up on high all the way to the apostles. And the apostles are the 12 who are closest to Jesus and their job 
is to lead and guide the church. And so what happens is eventually they hear about this problem. And so what do they do? They try to solve it. They don't just sit there and they don't just sit and wonder what's going to happen. They say, okay, let's get down to it. Now, one thing that we notice they don't do is they don't go on a hunt to find out who to blame. They don't end up trying to find out whose fault this is and spend all their time on that. They say there's a problem. People aren't getting cared for. We're the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so let's solve the problem. And so they say, let's find some people. Now, it's really important to know why this would be so important to them. Why would the uh, apostles want to just deal with this quickly? Well, because one of the last things that Jesus said to them was, I want you to make sure my church is unified. I want you to make sure all of my people are together. In fact, one of Jesus' most famous prayers that we read about in the Gospel of John, we'll see that he says, God, I want my people to be known by their love for one another, and that way people will know that they love me and that they're part of us just as I am a part of you. Jesus made it extraordinarily clear that the church, all of God's people, all the people who are Jesus' followers should be unified. And so Jesus gave all his followers, and specifically these apostles, a commandment that we read about in John chapter 13. He said this, This new command I give to you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And so there's this message that not just is this important for inside the church, but this idea of loving one another and caring for one another and seeking unity for one another is what is going to also make a difference in the lives of those outside of the church. These people are going to know you're the real deal if you show love for each other. Write that down, kids. Okay, so this is important. This is a really important deal that sadly I think a lot of us have forgotten about. But this is important today as it was back then. And we know this because a lot of the reason why people don't like coming to church today is because the church fights with itself. The church can often be quite a divisive place and people can whine and complain and pick fights with one another. And this ends up making people look inside and say, no thanks. I don't want to bother. And I actually think this is one of Satan's primary methods of attacking a local church. It's not from the pressure that comes from outside. It's what's going on inside of itself. As people start to pick at their own family, the people they're supposed to be united with, as they fight one another, what happens is it destroys the church from the inside, so other people want nothing to do with it. And this has real-world implications. In fact, I heard of a story that happened a little south of us, in which case a church decided to split over a small complaint. You see, this church ended up having this situation that caused them to fight so much that two groups within the church ended up going into a lawsuit with one another. Because they wanted to keep the church building and keep doing church the way they thought it should be done. 
And so two groups started to fight, and eventually it went into the press and media because it was in the highest courts in their state. And as they fought about it, what ended up happening is eventually the judge said, I can't deal with this. I'm going to give it back to your church denomination. And the church denomination said, well, this group isn't at fault, so they got to keep the building. The other one went off and did their own thing. And that's a sad story that a church would split. But what was even sadder was that when people in the community and the city and the state ended up finding out why, it made a laughing stock of the church. What happened was they were having a church dinner and two people were sitting next to each other. There was an older person and a child. The child got the bigger piece of ham. And that began a fight about how we should serve people and how we should care for them. And that all spun out to create this big fight that went out of the church and ended up splitting it, and they became a mockery. It was in the newspapers, it was online, and people didn't just make fun of that one local church, they made fun of every local church in the community. Why would we want to be like this? It's a fair question. It's a good question. This church forgot to love one another. They forgot that one of their core things should be that they should be about unity. This is why we as a church have committed to the, the commitment of seeking unity over division. Because we believe that not only is it a great saying, but it's an even more important principle and commandment. This is what Jesus said will help us to grow and care for each other inside and to attract others to Jesus. And so this is why the apostles don't jump on in and go, let's see who's to blame. Hey, all these Hebraic Jews, which one of you was supposed to serve those widows over there? No, that's not what they do. They just jump on in and say, okay, what we think would be a great idea is if we found seven people, because there's a lot of us, and those seven can go and care for these widows. Now, I want to take a moment here because there is some criticism that arises for some of the apostles. Some people hear this and say, well, why didn't the apostles just go do something? They're the church leaders. Shouldn't they have just jumped on in? Shouldn't they have gone and started serving out some of the food to those who sat around? Why push this job off to someone else? Do they think they're better than everyone else? Do they think they're more important? Well, that's not the case at all. The apostles definitely were not looking down on this role. And we know that because in a moment when we look at the qualifications that they set, we see that they actually set quite a high bar. Not only were they saying, hey, we want you to go serve a few people some food, but we want you to lead them. We'll see that they set these high qualities. So if they weren't looking down on these people, what were they doing? Well, the apostles were doing their job. They knew that they had been given a job by God to teach God's word and to spend time in prayer and to lead the church in a direction. And they knew that if they were going to go serve all the meals at the table, that they wouldn't have the opportunity to do the job that they were called to. But they knew this, that it wasn't just about them. That the church wasn't just supposed to be them as leaders above everybody else, but that there were jobs for everyone in the community. And so what they did is they followed Jesus' teaching, and they followed what would eventually become the teaching of Paul. In Ephesians chapter 4, we read this. 
He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, which is Jesus, who is the head of the body, the church. It says this, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If the church is supposed to work, if we're supposed to be unified and grow together, everyone is supposed to do their job. And every job is important. The Bible tells us that everybody, no matter how young or how old, how new to faith or how old in faith, every one of us has gifts. We read elsewhere that the Holy Spirit, when he comes and lives with us, gives us gifts, special spiritual gifts, which are for building up the church. How does a church get healthy? How does a church avoid splits over silly things? How does a church continue to grow and make a difference in the community? Well, every single person has to do their own special work. The apostles knew their special work. It was teaching what God's word said, what Jesus had taught to them, and it was spending time doing prayer ministry. But they said there's a lot of other roles. There's a lot of other really important things. Those widows who weren't getting the food they needed were very important, and so they needed good leaders who would come alongside of them. And just as that was what happened in the early church, that's true of what happens in our church as well. On a day like today, my job is to teach and preach. Hannah and our team's job was to lead us in singing. Mikey came to lead us in talking about what's going on with kids. Our tech guys in the back are, are leading us in operating equipment so we can worship, so we can read, so we can broadcast online. There's people who are going to work with our finances today. There's going to be others who will paint and decorate and clean. There's others who were already involved in greeting and welcoming you in. Each of these roles is important and serves a purpose. And there's people who have been given the personality traits and the spiritual gifts to do those things so that we can all grow healthy as a church, so we can show who Jesus is, so we can help learn to love one another. The church might be able to barely get by on a few people, but the reason that the church doesn't thrive like that is because we were meant for every one of us to play a role. If you have been brought to Emmanuel as your home church, you have a role to play. Whether you're young or old, you have a job. You have your own special work as it says in the Bible, and no one person is more important than the other. The apostles understood this, and they tried to model this for us, and so they said, okay, what we want you to do is go out and find seven men. We're going to find seven men who are doing the works, and I'm saying seven a whole bunch of times because they needed seven men to do the work. And they didn't just pick any seven men. They weren't just looking for pew warmers, seat fillers, people who could walk around and look good. They wanted people with some character and quality. And so they said, brothers and sisters, so they said this to the whole church, we want you to go and select from yourself people with a number of qualities. 
and characteristics. We want you to find someone who, in verse 3, is known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And then what we're going to do is once you find those seven who have these characteristics, we're going to bless them and send them to go do the work. And so clearly the apostles said this was an important job because they made sure they had these three qualities, that they had a good reputation, that they were filled with the Spirit, and that they were wise. We don't just want some slouch doing this just because they feel that they have to. We want the people who are gifted and have the right qualities to do the job because this is an important role. This is an important role. They're affirming that every role, even the role to someone who might be seen as the least of the people in the church in a Hebraic setting would be important of ministering to. And it was a good thing. It was a great thing. We see that these leaders clearly must have stepped up and filled the role because what do we read in verse 7? We read that the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to faith. When everyone gets up and gives and serves in their special work, when we all work together to seek the purpose of unity and love, we see that God's word spreads, that the church grows, that people from outside come in. We see that these priests, the people who have been following in the Jewish tradition to the highest levels for all of their lives that they've dedicated themselves to, end up changing because of what happens inside that local church, and they come in and decide to be obedient to Jesus and what he calls them to do. Now, before we go on any further, I want to make sure that we've got all of this. And so kids, grab out your phones or your parents' phones, and we're going to play a Kahoot. What we're going to do is we're going to go to kahoot.it. Adults, you can play along too. Just answer a little bit slower. But you're going to have 30 seconds for each of the questions, and we would love you to play. So go to kahoot.it, and in a minute here, we're just going to give the tech guy a sec to boot it up. There's going to be a screen, and it's going to have a code on it. And that code's going to, you're going to type that in first, and then after you type it in, it's going to say, uh, put up your nickname. There we go. So what you do, kahoot.it, and then you're going to type in 9432171. Everyone feel free to type that in. And what we're going to do, oh, we got somebody already in there. Isaiah, Zacchaeus, Ariana. Perfect. Let's get a few more. We're going to make this a little bit competitive. Perfect. So what we're going to do is on the screen in front of you will be the questions. I've rigged this for kids. The font is small. And so all you older folks, sorry, I wanted the kids to have a chance. You're going to have to squint. But what will happen is on your device, it won't have the question or the words. It's just going to give you a color with the shape. And you are going to answer correctly as fast as you can in 30 seconds or less. The faster you answer right, the more points you get. And at the end, we're going to have a winner. The winner, the top three places will get a prize, and you'll have my respect for listening, kids. So, all right, we got a whole bunch of people. Anybody left? Last 10, 9, 8. All right, let's start the game. Are you ready? All right, here we go. We're going to play a Kahoot, and we're going to see what it is. People at home, you can play too on your 
on the web. Here we go. Three, two, one. Quiz. What was the problem at the start of today's passage? All right, answer one of these four. What was it? Was it that there were too many of the people in the church? Was it that there were people being overlooked? Was it that no one liked the food? Or were there a bunch of crazy orangutans running through the street? Which was the right answer? Hint, it's not green. Um, all right, we're almost there. It's going to three, two, one. Let's see how you answered. Oh, good job. Most people got it right. Perfect. All right, let's go to the next question. Oh, all right. Wester Kids, Aaron, Fat Burger, not Kazmir and Faith in the lead. Good job, team. All right, let's go to the next question. How will the world know we are God's disciples? Trick question, two good answers, only one from the message today. Is the answer because of our cool matching church t-shirts? Is it because we tell the world so? Is it because of our love for one another? Or is it because of what we fight about? That we all fight about the same thing. What do you think? Answer quick, kids. Make sure you get it right. Here we go. The right answer. Our cool matching t-shirt. No. It's because of our love for one another. Good job, kids. Great. Let's see how that takes us in the standing. Oh, Fat Burger rising up to the top. All right, we're competitive. Let's go to the next question. All right, the apostles thought they were better than everyone else. The apostles, the 12, Jesus' inside team, the people who got to walk with Jesus, they're better than everyone else, right? Is that what I said? Wow, there's 30 seconds. This is a long question. But hopefully we know the answer. Shout it out if you know it. Yeah. No, the apostles weren't better than everybody else. That is false. Good job. We'll get there. Good job, team. How does that affect our score? Whoever is Fat Burger is still in the lead. Perfect. Next question. Every role is important in the church. True or false? True. Good job, Luke. That's right. Luke gave you the answer if you didn't know. The answer is true. So we know that that will be the answer to the question. All right. That changed our standings a little bit, but Fat Burger is still crushing. Next question. How many new leaders were supposed to be picked? How many new leaders were supposed to be picked? So Jesus had an inner three. Then he picked 12 more. Then there were 72 then there was the first 500 who followed. Then in the early church, another 3,000 were added to their number in a single day. What is the number? Five, six, seven, or eight? Did I just hear a wildly wrong answer come over here? It is seven. There we go. Good job, team. Oh, that changed our scores a little bit. Aaron climbing up. So what three traits did the new leaders need? Did they need to be tall, dark, and handsome? Uh, were they, did they need to be well-known, caring, and spiritual? Did they need to have a black belt in karate, be fast runners, and like iced coffee? Or did they need a good reputation to be spirit-filled and wise? Ooh, couple close ones, very close. 
And when we have some thinking that it's karate, but no, the answer is green. Good job. Let's see how that does. Wow, Fatburger, you are crushing it. Maya and Zara climbing up, though. All right, what were the names of the men who were chosen? Ooh, who remembers? I'm pretty sure it was Gru, Bob, Stewart, Kevin, Jerry, Dave, and Phil, the name of the minions. Uh, or did we have Crosby, Still, Nash, and Young with Garth, Patsy, and Willie? No, Stephen, Philip, Paul, Nathan, Simon, Peter, Mark, or all those other guys? Good question, good question. Here we go, how do we do? Ooh, we had some tricky ones in there. Good guesses. All of the blue were Bible names. So if you guessed blue, you did good, but it was the first one. All right, what happened when the seven began serving? The church tanked. It did terribly. No, it, people were happy. Were widows getting too full from all the food because they hadn't been eating and now they were? Did the church grow or did the seven get given capes because they became the new church heroes? What is the right answer, I wonder? I think those widows might have had their stomach stretched in the first meal or two, but there we go. The church grew. Good job. Oh, back and forth. Here we go. For our last question, everyone has a part to play in the church, true or false? What's the answer? Somebody give it to them. It's true. There we go. Wow, that one went fast. All right. So let's see our podium with nine out of nine. Jose, you get a prize. Come, okay, you got to come grab it. If you were Jose Mayazara or Fat Burger. All right, you get a Smarties. Oh, wait, wait. Did you? No, you were third. Okay, perfect. Maya and Zara. You get this and then Fat Burger. Who is Fat Burger? All right. All right. Here you go, guys. Good job. Good job to everyone. Thank you for playing. Uh, it always pays to listen in church. Usually it won't be with Smarties and Fuzzy Peaches, uh, but it will be with God, what God wants to tell you. But I just want to close just remembering this and as a challenge for our church. You know, Scripture does remind us that it is no small thing to care for other people in the church, that this really is an important role, and that everyone is supposed to take part in their special work, as it says in Ephesians. And so if you're a part of our local church, we want you to give, and not just in a financial way, but in giving who you are and what God has gifted you to be. Whether you're young or old, whether you've been with us for a short time or a long time, there's a place for you in the church. And sometimes we actually say, we say, well, there isn't that place right now. But the scripture actually points out to us how we're supposed to go about figuring that out. If there is a place that we have overseen or overlooked, it's the job of the church to bring that forward and then to work on that together. If there's a place that we don't serve, that we should be serving in, it is a good idea to bring that forward to the leaders of the church. Be warned, though, that if you come to us, we may turn back to you and say, that's great. Let's go find some leaders who can help us in that regard. 
we notice actually, it, it's, it's hard to see unless you know some of the cultural context, but what's really interesting is all seven of the people that they end up picking to serve those widows are all actually Hellenistic Jews. So the group that came with the complaint is actually the group that gets put to work doing the serving. And I think that's a really important thing because it's often those of us who see a gap or see a need who are the people who are most called and equipped to serve in that area. And so you are called by God to serve and to be a part of building up the church. We can't do this all just on elders and staff and a few key volunteers. It will take all of us. But if we commit ourselves to that, if we love and serve, our church will grow. The word of God will spread. We'll be known more completely through the community as a people who God has brought together. And they will see the work that the Holy Spirit will do. We'll see that as we continue to go through the book of Acts. We'll see that it's not always easy. In fact, our passage we're going to look at in a couple weeks, we're going to see that people will be martyred for the faith. But we'll see because of all of those things, because the sacrifice and the way we serve, that people will begin to grow and people will begin to serve God together. Again, our value is to seek unity over division because we believe in what Jesus said. We believe in what Paul said, that in all things we should seek peace with everyone. And you know what? I think it's actually a good challenge for you. Maybe you look around the room and you see people who drive you crazy. Or maybe some people who aren't doing what you would hope them to do. My personal experience has been that when I actually serve those people or serve alongside of those people, it changes my perspective of them. And it actually totally radically changes the way that I want to do church because I get to know them and I get to see who they are and what they care about and how God has equipped them to be a part of the church. And so I encourage you, don't miss out. Even if you're young, find a place to serve in our church because we need you. We need the kids. We don't want this place to be all old people. We love our old people, but we want our kids to be a part together too. And so we want you to love and help us gather around and grow the church for Jesus' name, for God's glory, so the Holy Spirit can work. Let's pray and then we'll continue to worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for who you've made us to be. God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I love this church and I love what you have brought together and God we never know who is going to come and be a part of this place but what we do know is that you are here already working in the lives of the people who are here and the people that are coming and God we just pray that not only would we uh, see a growth of people connecting into the church but we would see a, a growth in people serving together would no one come to this place and say that they are unimportant would no one come to this place and see uh, or feel that they have no worth, but would they see the truth that they are uniquely gifted and called and loved by you to serve the local church? God, would you give us wisdom and leadership to help us plug people into the places that they need to serve for your glory? Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us in everything we do? God, would you give us soft hearts? Would you give us uh, grace and patience with one another when things get overlooked? And God, when things do get overlooked, would you call people together who would want to serve the church in that area. And Lord God, in all those things, would your word spread? Would people get to know you more? And would we get to just worship because of how great you are? So Lord, we thank you for all these things. And as we turn in response through singing, we pray that you would be glorified all the more. 
We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.